Hey everybody, welcome to Comedy Filbert's episode 486. Feels pretty good, 486, we're getting so close. We're getting so close, mm-hmm. we've done 99 spoiler apps. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are just ones that are numbered, there's extra ones in there that, uh, yeah, I mean, we're probably already at like 800. So. <laughs> <laughs> we're just, yeah. we're just throwing around math, yeah, just crazy yeah. willy-nilly stuff. Well, there's 200 episodes we never released. So that's right. The, 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 I want to see those. The yeah. secret tapes. The secret tapes. Yeah. Um, right on. We had a podcast, Speakeasy. We don't like to talk yeah. about it, but uh, yeah. That's... Are those going to be unearthed in a vault like yes. 20 years from now? They are, yeah. On a thumb drive. On a thumb drive. Someone's just going to find, oh. Yeah. Oh, my God. The lost episodes the of lost, Comedy Film The nerds. lost thumb yeah. drive. Yeah. The film nerd thumb drive. Wow. It's floating around. They're talking about all the original Hulu movies. <laughs> Uh, I see why they didn't release these. The episodes really weren't that great. They, they should have just kept the Yeah, it makes rest. sense. It was a good yeah. editorial decision. Yeah, they maybe should have just deleted them and yeah. saved all of us time. <laughs> so, well, let's uh, uh, let's introduce our guest, first-time guest. First-time um, guest. Filmmaker. Uh, a filmmaker. Um, I was introduced to this gentleman through Jill Stein mm-hmm. um, when she came to our show. On the show, Win Jill Stein's Money? Win Jill Stein's Money, <laughs> yes, yes, which is a fantastic yeah. <laughs> show. She does questions about election yeah. fraud, yeah. Yeah. and uh, the, she being the first author of the Green New Deal. And that then would yeah, be money. a great show, though. That, <laughs> that would be a great show. Um, so, yeah, uh, who's the director of the documentary uh, Revolution Televised? Ladies and gentlemen, Kevin Ranka. Hello. Thank you. Uh, happy to be here. Um, so why don't you tell us, Kevin, a little bit about, I watched, it's a, it's a five-part series on YouTube, but also you can get it as a Blu-ray your doc that's available, um, the Revolution Televised, which basically goes into what happened in the 2016 election? Yeah, so the documentary uh, sets out to prove a slightly different... uh, The documentary uh, sets out to prove a slightly different perspective than what the mainstream media has given us, uh, not only by how we ended up with a president like Donald Trump, but the massive role the corrupt media and uh, Democratic establishment played in that. Mm-hmm. But there's also there's also positive and elements to the film too. Uh, you know, seeing the uprising of progressives being one of the you know the big values of the film. Mm-hmm. I think that this is a story a lot of people didn't get to see because you know, um, as we had discussed before, there is you know six companies that have come to own all of what's played on television. Basically, right. they own ninety percent. So our sea of information has changed rapidly. So. Um, and in the same way, uh, you know, the film industry is a little bit like that, too. It's it, You've covered that, Graham, on your show, The Political Vigilante, that it, it functions sometimes as a bit of a long arm of, right. of the establishment. So we felt that it, the right thing to do would be to make a story that I think a lot of people weren't getting to see, it, which is, I think, the main story of 2016, which is progressives finally waking up in this incredible way and just this uprising that was happening that was finally challenging that so yeah it was interesting and wh- where is it it's on, it's on so YouTube. you can watch it on youtube all five episodes for free and then the blu-rays i have to say they look a lot nicer you know it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i'm not just saying that because they cost money it's, a, and it's you know. narrated by vigo mortensen so how did you get i mean he's a pretty sizable name how did you mm-hmm. get that guy to narrate your doc because we couldn't get him for earbuds oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> we i'd actually we had shot the whole doc um i think we had i just written the screenplays which took an absurd amount of time and quite a bit of adderall i'll be honest with you to write these <laughs> i mean we had i'd done like hundreds are they of one drafts. of your sponsors adderall? <laughs> yeah, adderall. they are they are <laughs> 
But no, and and so in doing this, um, we wrote these scripts. I think we did like a hundred drafts because the, I had to alter the language a lot, being very far left. I think you still owe it to your audience to be honest, um, so you're not just making propaganda, even if you do believe you're telling the truth. So some of the early drafts were pretty intense, and I mm-hmm. think that I had some writers come in and say, you know, maybe you shouldn't be saying some of these things. So you know, let the audience make these decisions. Um, but we started reaching out to a lot of. Uh, activists and celebrity narrators. Our first narrator option we were hoping for was actually Pam Greer, you know, the black exploitation yeah, actress yeah. from mm-hmm. Foxy Brown. And she never answered us. Uh, you know, we were crushed by that. Mm-hmm. Um, that would have been a dream. But then, then we tried, uh, this is nothing against Vigo. It's more so we didn't think we'd get him. We tried uh, Danny Glover, Mark Ruffalo. Mm-hmm. And uh, Vigo was like a last shot Hail Mary. And I remember coming home from school and checking my email. And there's just this email that says like, yo it's me Vigo like it was just like that brief and I was just like no way and uh, he, you know, it was like a staged process he was like you know send me the scripts like I'm gonna see what this is all about send me some still images um, mm-hmm. and you know next thing you know he's like rewriting some of the scripts which I thought was great and he's giving oh, a lot wow. of input and uh, yeah, he said I'll do it um, and uh, the thing that people ask like how'd you get him I think the big thing in this industry believe it or not is honesty attracts honesty if you want to deal with some of these kind of like fake or you know the part of the industry I don't like um, which is just about you know elitism and stuff but if you're honest with an honest person they appreciate that so okay. Vigo was surprised by me saying like I have no money to pay you <laughs> I have nothing to give you to do this but I really think it'd be a great project mm-hmm. um and he reacted well to that so. <laughs> well yeah you know what, what did bill murray do he fired his agents and managers and just set up a phone number oh i love that movie you I just you that. just call and leave a message That's he so may or funny. may not answer you yeah i know <laughs> it's uh, isn't that the greatest it's kind the, of a great idea i think mm-hmm. and like i think he just has like a an agent comes in and negotiates the, the, the fine points of the contract or something if you hire mm-hmm. him, it's, which is pretty straightforward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's great because he can kind of hear you, but he doesn't have to engage if he doesn't want to. Yep. Like, it's just a right. one-way kind of thing. Yep. It's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to set up a uh, comedy film that's 180. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Graham, uh, you saw a movie I have been really wanting to see. I didn't get a chance to yet. Uh, El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie. And uh, what I loved about this is that... Um, Again, we always talk about the trailers. Trailers did not give anything away. And even the descriptions, like, it was a great movie to go in blind if you're a fan of the show because you didn't know what was going to happen. So how did you like it, first of all? Um, It was... And you were a fan of the show, I'm I'm guessing. uh, Yeah, I was was a huge fan of the show. Mm Um, I'm just now learning that Robert Forrester died, which really bums me out. Oh, you didn't know, you that? Didn't know that? Oh, yeah, yeah. He just mm-hmm. passed away, I yeah, guess. Yeah, very recent. Me and my wife were watching it, and, I was, mm-hmm. and he died, like, that uh, long before that. Mm-hmm. It was shocking. Well, mm-hmm. all the more reason to see this movie, because he's mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'm, I'm, you know, I love the series. I watch Better Call Saul. Mm-hmm. So, when I heard this was coming out, I was like, all right. Yep. You know, first of all, great excuse to go back and watch the last season. Right. Mm-hmm. And I watched like the last five or six episodes, which I would recommend doing if you haven't. I haven't seen the last season Definitely. since it came out, which was right. whatever, three, four years yeah, ago, maybe. Ago. Um, so I was late to the party on that. So I actually saw the entire thing more recently. Oh. Really? Yeah, yeah. So like, I, I think I just watched like the last season, like last year. That's a good like thing, that. though. I mm-hmm. would tell you, waiting for that week by week was brutal when it was aired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Unbelievable. In some ways, you might have done it right. Yeah, totally. <laughs> because um, it was like, so there's, there's great stuff in it. So, so if you watch Better Call Saul, 
it always starts with an older Saul working in a Cinnabon right. in some mall, mm-hmm. right? So if you go back and watch the last one of the last episodes, Saul is like, "Look, man, if I do witness protection yeah. or whatever, I'm going to be working at a Cinnabon in Omaha." Mm-hmm. He like forewarns it. It's yeah, so yes. Yeah, yeah. So they're like, "Oh, that's mm-hmm. where I guess we now we know he's over in Omaha." Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, this movie picks up. From the ver that you know the la- one of the last scenes in the series is Jesse escaping because he was in the the, the, the those neo Nazis basically a meth slave yeah yeah those neo Nazis made mm-hmm. him a meth slave and he mm-hmm. gets in this El Camino and escapes and he's just right. like half crazed because right. he's been tortured and he's just like yeah. ah, like yeah. screaming mm-hmm. crying joy every emotion all and he just escapes mm-hmm. so it literally picks up after that right. And this is all in the trailer, but he goes to his two buddies, those two like knucklehead mm-hmm. meth buddies. Was it? Uh, Badger and... I was going to say Skinny yeah, Pete. Yeah, 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 Skinny Badger. Pete. <laughs> uh-huh. So this El Camino brings back a lot of those mm-hmm. Robert Forrester's back in it. It brings back... And he does a lot of flashbacks, mm-hmm. um, even with Cranston, which is cool. Right. Um, flashbacks, basically, you know, a lot of it expanding on what happened while he was being tortured and and being a meth slave. Oh, interesting. Okay. So it really shows. And that guy, you know, Todd, that Eric, that that character actor from Friday Night Lights, um, Jesse... Oh, Jesse, Jesse Plemons. Plemons. Oh, yeah. Oh man, you know what was so kind of great? Creepy it, that guy, that character it's that he terrifying. Yeah, yeah. What what was kind of great was a lot of people like they didn't age like a day. I mean, Jesse mm-hmm. looked like he did not age at all. But that guy put on because he had to do a role I think around that time where he put on like fifty pounds. So mm-hmm. he, he's a big boy in that. It does not like mm-hmm. it's not even plausible in the flashbacks that could be the same person. But it kind of <laughs> works. His physicality right. reminds you of like Orson Welles and like Touch of Evil. Like it's mm-hmm. disturbing. He's like a big hefty guy now, and he's really creepy. I mean, that was. He actually worked pretty well, I thought. That character, especially going back and watching the last season and then seeing El Camino, it is chilling how boy next door he is as a sociopath. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, just, hey, no hard feelings, then blows someone's mm-hmm. head off. He yeah, expan- yeah. They expanded that a lot oh. in the new movie in a great way. Like, he's, I thought maybe he would, because we only saw a bit of him. I, would, I wondered if he was like that and then suddenly just would do like... You know, I thought maybe he might like attack Jesse or something after being friendly, but he didn't, and that was even more unsettling. He was really acting like his friend. I mean, it was it's really unsettling. It's really complex. I oh, thought. and that I mean, there's this. I don't want to like spoil too much, but there's just yeah, like, yeah, no spoilers. Oh, sh- <laughs> y- you see, you see, th- there's this part revealed about you know Todd's life that Jesse has to go into his apartment and help out with. Oh my God, mm-hmm. is it? My jaw dropped. It's so horrifyingly creepy. And he just still plays this like, aw shucks, Mm -hmm. with all of this evil crap. I mean, there's this, I'll say this, he's got a pet tarantula and in this, you know, whatever you- Terrarium. Terrarium, there Mm -hmm. you go. He's got like a man and a woman like dolls in there it looks, it is it's so, so creepy. creepy. It is so, so like creepy. That. Yeah, it's, there's a stillness to everything. Yeah. Yes. There's a stillness and sort of, it's just like a Kudos calmness. to the production it's, designer. Yeah, it was great. Mm-hmm. Well, they did, a, they did the thing that was interesting, having literally just watched it mm-hmm. the last season, the lighting, it looked differently. They shot it a little differently because mm-hmm. this was more Jesse's POV coming out of this nightmare versus... 
you know, Breaking Bad was always sort of Walt's view. Yeah, it was like almost too like neo-Western or something, you know what I yeah. mean? And I felt like this wasn't quite as, I mean, it still had like elements of that, I think. But no, yeah, I agree with you. Jesse's story was uh, was a little different than Walt's. His perspective's different. So I think it it was really smart to do a slightly different visual, but it still felt like it was a part of like. Yeah. Like, so so yeah. it felt, it didn't feel like strenuous. It felt like it was a fun wrap-up story that uh, felt like, oh, they didn't need to do that. This, you didn't get that impression. No, I really mm-hmm. liked it. And mm-hmm. this is my nitpick. And Kevin, I'm curious to hear what you think. Yeah, yeah, I want to hear this too. So the one mm-hmm. thing, there was some scenes that were really long and methodical. And I was like, oh, so Vince Gillian wrote and directed it, mm-hmm. and did you see the X Files uh, Easter egg in there? No. Yeah, Vince I Gillian. Didn't. When Jesse opens the glove compartment in the car, there's a pack of Morley cigarettes. Mm-hmm. That's the brand the cigarette smoking man smoked in the X Files, where Vince Gilligan contributed in writing and directing many times. Oh, <laughs> impressed if somebody caught that. I was so enamored by what was happening. I think I just missed it. Wow, um, that's pretty clever. That's a great Easter egg. I do love the X Files. There was just some scenes that were super long and really drawn out, which was. You know, that's fine in a series where you've got 13 episodes or whatever to tell this story. So you can take a scene that should probably be 30 to 60 seconds and make it three, four minutes because you're drawing out and you're giving backstory and you're painting a picture. There's a couple of times where I was like, yeah, this is a two hour movie that you probably could have trimmed 10, 15 minutes out of. Again, Mm -hmm. this is me nitpicking. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, I loved it and I thought it was cool. So Kevin, what did you think of like the pacing and stuff? I think generally it worked, but I th- I do think you could have lost 20 minutes. Um, my thing was actually, my critique was a little different. I felt like it was like, sometimes it seemed a little too easy for Jesse. I know it, I think the, the counterpoint to that could be he had it so hard the final season that you right. know, we didn't want to see him go through much more. But at the same time, like, things for me just felt a little convenient sometimes like screenwriter convenient i think but i think it makes sense because when you have a guy in his you know as soon as the story starts or vince gilligan had to write that script he had to be thinking like how could he outrun you know every cop you know the dea like this is going to be very impossible to make feel like possible and i so i think like you have to give uh jesse some of those gimme moments where something sort of conveniently happens but I think it might have happened one or two too many times, maybe. But overall, I think that's a small thing for me because I also think he might have been right in that. I don't know if I really did want to see Jesse go through like a whole lot more. I pain. couldn't. Yeah, I think that. Mm-hmm. So I think that that was the mm-hmm. that was the move, and I think it was right. Yeah, uh, I agree. I, I agree with know. that too. There's a couple times I was like, oh, come on. Yes, yeah, exactly. Really? But then it was like, you know, watching the last season, there was some stuff in the last season where I was like. Is this, like, some of the shit Hank did in the last season, like, there's no way the fucking DEA, like, he's mm-hmm. so so off the reservation. Come yeah, on. Yeah, right, totally. But, you know, uh, overall, you forgive it because the whole series was so amazing. Right. And, you know, like, the la- one of the, in the last episode where, you know, Walt, comes back to visit Skylar and sh- and he starts saying, look, I did it. And she goes, I don't want to hear you did it for you. I don't want to hear that. He goes, I didn't. I did it for me. Yeah. I like the money. Yeah, and, the power. Yeah. and it was like, <laughs> oh, wow. That was awesome. That and, moment's incredible. And the thing I remember too, and, and I was, this was, uh, and I remember this when I saw it the first time, but watching it again this past week, everybody's ego cost them in the final season. Jesse could have gotten away the first time. And he didn't. He's like, Walt can't get away with it. And when he comes back, it's awful what happens. That woman, he gets tortured, like all this awful. Same thing with Hank. He's finally got him and he should have called tribal police. The thing he said and called for backup, he didn't. He called his wife to brag. 
and there was no back you know what i mean like he took did all everybody's ego cost them walt's ego everyone even like todd and and the other guy uh, jack Mm -hmm. it's their greed their everybody's greed and ego skyler Skyler too Mm -hmm. everybody mike everybody Mm -hmm. everybody's greed and ego cost them their lives Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, no, that, I think that's a good point. It was so well put together, that show. Another thing I mm-hmm. noticed, too, especially watching... So, I mean, the whole series, Walt is he's like playing this Heisenberg force, this figure, which I think Heisenberg was, what, like a World War II era, like chemist or something yeah. like that. And he's like playing a criminal, basically. And then he becomes a criminal, and then, you know, he, he kind of gets pretty good at it. But what I think is interesting is the final antagonist they put Walt up against isn't the cartel. It's like... It's kind of a, an interesting parallel to Walt. I mean, Jack is kind of everything Walt kind of isn't. I mean, he's an unapologetic criminal. You know, he doesn't right. he doesn't feel bad for the things. There is no moral quandary there. He is really, mm-hmm. to me, the opposite side of the spectrum of what Walt. And he's a neo-Nazi, so I think you know there's some overlap of like, you know, like the Heisenberg and the shaved head and the beard, kind of like what Walt was. You know, I think again pretending to be. But the same with Jesse. Jesse and Todd are like these great parallels too. I think because mm-hmm. I always thought of. Jesse almost like Walt's son in a lot of ways, or the son he never had. So right. I think, and Jack mm-hmm. was clearly like a fatherly figure, and that those were just great antagonist forces. Because Todd was the opposite of Jesse too. Jesse had such a moral quandary between being a criminal or trying to be a good person and, and trying to, you know, justify. And Todd had no qualms about just doing savage things um, mm-hmm. for their own means. So I thought the the finale was brilliant in that way. Yeah, and and the other thing too that was good about El Camino is Jesse clearly he's like no greed in this life he's like i just need just enough to get mm-hmm. out of here mm-hmm. he doesn't want anything because he's like i chase the money i it's, it's awful i want out right because he saw what it what that brought to everybody mm-hmm. including himself right and there's a great scene in there with robert forrester where he's like you know believe me nobody regrets not ditching the first time more than me <laughs> like yeah. and there's just yeah there's just great scenes with everybody and you you also meet some new people um like the welding people and that kind of stuff which i thought was i like really, that actor a lot yeah. i've only seen him in the new righteous gemstones with danny mcbride i'd never seen that actor before um, but he's getting kind of popular and he i actually really like him i don't mm-hmm. know he's got this weird voice it's like he's a pretty good actor mm-hmm. like, he's a pretty good antagonist um, you know, he wasn't like a super villain kind of thing or like a larger than life, you know, empire type character. But I, I thought he was pretty great as like another, as a yep. person. What I liked about it was it was an epilogue. It felt like a final chapter in a book or something. Uh, you know, you might read like a Cormac McCarthy book and there's just this like last chapter that I think does tie some things together. But it was kind of different that they wasn't playing with the heavy themes that I think uh, Breaking Bad kind of presented. It was kind of an, an after chapter. And I think it, it did. Well, epilogue is probably a good way to describe yeah, it. Yeah, it gives Jesse. From a novel. It gives mm-hmm. Jesse like a lot of these, just he just thrown in a lot of situations and his survival is his only, you know, and I think that's a great place to put a character mm-hmm. like him. Uh, I almost could detach it in that way of just watching Jesse keep getting set up with a new situation that was totally back against the wall. And that's some of the best moments of Breaking Bad. Like when they had to have that bald guy get arrested, you know, I think all these crazy situations they'd get in that would have me like hugging the pillow on my couch because I was so, you know, on the edge of my seat nervous. I think, you know, the new movie cranked that up and did a really yeah. good job with that and let Jesse do it without Walt's help. I mean, he right. proved himself, I think. You know, my wife was saying, like, he's so smart now. I said, yeah, I mean, he went through years of hanging out with Walter White and doing mm-hmm. these things. He he's going to pick something up. Yeah, he's evolved. <laughs> well, there's, and that, that's a great point because there's a great scene in the last season where he's talking to Hank and Hank's partner and he's like, you guys have no idea. 
Whatever you think it's going to go, he will outsmart you mm-hmm. and it will go the opposite. He right. will win. He is smarter than everyone. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just I forgot a, about like, this. It was such a great scene. I yeah. forgot about it too. So that did, I was like, yeah, he worked with the best, mm-hmm. the most devious insane criminally brilliant mind yep one step ahead one step ahead of <laughs> everybody i mean it's just the shit like too of you know walt still in the last season when he needed to playing that fake walter white oh geez i'm just one of jesse's pals you know where yeah. he's around you know just oh, oh shucks. man that all chilling. of his fumbling chilling. lies well mm. you know <laughs> crazy thing happened. I'm at the <laughs> gas pump and there's his whole family's looking at him like, stop lying. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. it's so brilliant. Oh so, yeah. I love the scene where he, he comes into the car wash when, uh, and he gets the, that text from Jesse or whatever. And he, uh, he goes to like the, the soda machine. He tells Skylar like, Oh, I got to go fix the soda machine. He like pulled, you know, he reached in there and pulled out a pistol. Out a gun. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's yeah. That kind of encapsulates this sort of all shucks, Mr. Rogers. Yeah. And then he always doing. plays this like, Oh, darn it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Vince Gilligan always said it's like, you know, it's, it's hard to have, um, uh, a series that's basically, you know, centers around a villain, you know, somebody that's doing horrible things all the time. But he said, the key is if the character's not likable, they have to be interesting. Right. So if this, he said, the last thing, the biggest sin we could have done is if uh, Walter White ever became not interesting, then the show would be over. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and that was the yeah. thing they, that it's was so brilliant point. about the writing and the arc of the series was it started out, man, he was likable. He, right. And, you, you, and mm-hmm. you were like, I get it. He's, he's got cancer. What is he, mm-hmm. he, you know, oh, darn it. You know, there's all these memes on social media. Like if we had free health care, yeah, <laughs> he never would have killed all these people. There wouldn't have been blue meth That's all so over funny. Albuquerque. <laughs> so it's that. like, and, and it started as this like, which I love. I love this type of, of anti-hero or whatever of like, God, what, what would I do? If I had six months to live and a baby on the way and mm. and I could make a bunch of money in a short amount of time, Jesus. Because it started for him like, well, I need money for my family. For That's my how it started. Yeah. And then I love how it transformed into something far different. Yes. And then he admitted it at the end. No, I did it for me. I think I that's a great... It. Yeah. I think that's a great point. I, that's what I really like about the show is I think it did lure audiences in thinking it was going to be another show where the writer works very hard to create this justifiable character. But I think in the middle of the show, it kind of dodges and goes the other way where like if you're mm-hmm. still identifying with Walt at a certain point, I think some people miss the show entirely. Like if the right. last season, like, oh, but if this was me, I'm, I, I don't think Vince Gilligan, I think he meant to bring you into that world that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think along the way, you were supposed to stop thinking maybe like, what if I was Walt and start really dissecting internally, like how you feel about, so, you know, the morality of what he is doing yeah. as opposed to how you would handle Because I mean, at a certain point, it's hard to root for Walt, even though I still did yeah. as sick as it is. Um, he but did everything from like kill people to poison his girlfriend, you know, poison Jesse's Die hard Walter kids. White yeah. supporters by the end remind me of like Trump supporters. You're like, you're like, oh, but he did that. But, you know, this, this is like, yeah, but dude. Trump never lies. <laughs> yeah. It's like, come on, man. Like, like, Walter White. Yeah, sure. W- one so. thing I think Vince Gilligan did too, as I think good screenwriters do, is look, if you're going to make a character who does a lot of bad things, make them, make them fucking really good at what they do. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. made the primo meth just like Tony Soprano was pretty phenomenal being the Don of Remember, yeah. the, remember that like, first scene when he made made it and um, um, uh, <laughs> he went uh, Jesse goes this is glass grade like I've never I've never <laughs> even seen meth this mm-hmm, this right. good before um, so here's an interesting thing about the um, the production and the licensing because you know Breaking Bad 
not a Netflix show, an AMC show, but Breaking Bad made this movie. So they made a deal with AMC where um, this movie, it'll live on Netflix, but it'll go to AMC later. So if you don't have Netflix and you have AMC, you can still, you'll see it. Mm -hmm. I actually like that a lot Mm -hmm. because I am not, I'm going to say it, I'm not a massive fan of Netflix's, you know, putting out thousands of projects Mm -hmm. a year and passion projects for people who frankly, you know, like nobody wants to see a a Chris Kattan or like, I don't know, like a Ashton Kutcher, you know, his passion project. I think teaming up with companies like AMC that have a track record of making good work and, uh, you know, allowing them to make things that they normally wouldn't. Like, I don't think AMC would have on their own made a Breaking Bad movie. I don't think, I think they would have been too much of a risk. Right. Um, not only tarnishing, yeah, not only tarnishing the brand, but, you know, it was a good partnership. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, Mm -hmm. What Breaking Bad got maybe two million per episode or something yeah. like that, and mostly, I mean, a lot of that went to film because it was shot on film. But I'm sure the bulk, you know, if not all, of the budget was provided by Netflix too. Yeah, which was, mm-hmm. I mean, they have enough money to do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm and Sony, I'm, who owns the Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. do they? Oh, yeah, okay. Sony mm-hmm. owns the Sony. So yeah, that, and, and I like that too because, and we've talked about this before on this show, like. We're in a whole new era, a whole new world with streaming. Like, yep. get rid of the old mm-hmm. business models. Come up with something interesting. And for AMC and Netflix, to, like, why not? Mm-hmm. You guys get it first. We'll get it later. Yep. Absol- mm-hmm. Absolutely. HBO, in a weird way, did that with Sesame Street. They mm-hmm. bought Sesame Street. Yep, that's but, right. But, but, you know, the PBS and Children's Broadcasting, like, well, you can't take it away. We still have a lot of people who can't afford HBO. So... The new episodes go on HBO, and then they go onto PBS after that. I think it's mm-hmm. it's a symbiotic thing. I'm curious. The biggest parallel I could think of to this is not like the Dow- Downton Abbey or whatever movie, but actually uh, the new Sopranos movie, The Kings of Newark. I'm curious to see how that's going to be, because I feel like that's a really good comparison to El Camino as far as, like, can that sustain in today's day? It's the same, just like Vince Gilligan, same writer-director of the original right. Sopranos. Mm-hmm. It's got Tony's, you know, uh, James Gandolfini's son playing him, and he looks exactly like him as a young... Uh, so I mean I'm curious to see how that's going to be. Uh, I think yeah. that I it's was like very a prequel. Is that what it yeah, is? Yeah, it's a prequel of? set in the '60s uh, in Newark during a lot of like the race oh, riots. Interesting. And, uh, you know, so we could go either way. Uh, yeah. Seeing the El Camino trailer, I'll admit. Um, you know, me and my wife kind of looked at each other like. This is going to be two hours of Jesse hiding. I mean, this is not that exciting to me. Uh, but I was so impressed with it because my expectations were so low. I was really, really impressed and very happy. So now I think maybe the Sopranos movie is going to be good too. I mean, I never thought I'd see either one of those get a follow-up film. Well, the metrics you know? must be very easy, much easier to predict because they're like, all right, here's the audience for these shows. So here's the audience. It's going to be some percentage of this. that we'll, we'll see this movie. That's true. It's so it's not going to be like a breakout hit of like, oh, I haven't seen the show, but I really like the movie. No. Yeah, yeah, the, These movies yeah. are made specifically for the fans of the show. Yeah, and they mm-hmm. did a good job. And I was like, I don't know that I would have chosen the timeline of right after he gets out. When I heard they were making this, I just thought, is it going to be like three, four years down the road and he's living right, the new right. thing and then someone from his past pops up? Or like he, a lily hammer where he's in like, you know, Nor- Norway or yeah. somewhere yeah. living under a different yeah. name. I, I, I agree with that. I was a little surprised because I was like, am I going to even buy that it's the next, the same day, five years later? But I thought it was surprisingly kind of an interesting way to go about it. It was totally surprised me. It was pretty, right. it was it pretty surprised cool. surprised me. So, yeah. All right. So check it out. Yeah. El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie. Only on Netflix right now until later when it'll be on AMC. So you saw Ad Astra, Chris. I saw Ad Astra because I, I wanted to see it. And also, um, I know the fans were like asking like, well, has anybody seen Ad Astra yet? But it was, it was one of those movies too that uh, I got to tell you, when I watched this movie, I couldn't put my finger on what was wrong with it and why I didn't like it. Like, it was one of those weird, like, well, this has all the elements of a movie that I would like. It's hard science fiction. It's 2001, 
um, a vision of the future. It's uh, metaphysical, it's experimental in some ways, and it's also philosophical. So that's the kind of really interesting science fiction that doesn't come along all the time. But, you know, you have movies like 2001, Interstellar, and, uh, okay, okay, well, then maybe Ad Astra is going into that wheelhouse. And then I'm watching this movie, I'm watching this movie, I'm like, why is, why am I not enjoying this film? And then it hit me, I realized it. And then when I saw the trivia, I knew exactly what had happened. Um, Director James Gray admitted to Empire Magazine that he had to compromise with the studio on the ending of the movie to get the film greenlit. And even with major star producer like Brad Pitt on board, they still struggled for years to get it made. Wow. So when I saw this movie, and I had to sit with it for a day or two to figure it out, and this is what it was. Um, imagine a movie like Interstellar, that that original script that suddenly got a ton of dumb studio notes, and they were pushed onto the film because um, that's exactly what this movie felt like. Imagine a movie like Interstellar, but here was the note: Okay, this isn't really accessible. You need to have long, boring monologues so uh, Brad Pitt can tell the audience exactly what he's feeling and what he's going to do throughout the entire movie. So and it was it was like worse than like the Blade Runner voiceovers like it oh, was really like yeah. it was it was they're horrible yeah it was Jesus. worse because this was like it was almost like okay this is the notes that a director would give an actor for inner dialogue but no we need you to say all of them out loud <laughs> when you tell them, when you're when you're bringing up that that Blade Runner if it's yeah. anything like that where Harrison Ford's just basically saying what's happening on screen which is yeah. the exact opposite of the point of voiceover yeah. oh that sounds it's, terrible. it was unbelievable to the point where terrible. like how did even Brad Pitt let this happen like uh like there were literally lines of like voiceover of like well this is what happened to me and my dad didn't love me that's why I'm so closed off emotionally and uh, who says that <laughs> so, who says that, that in conversation I know oh and it was like even like uh, like even if you're thinking that why I would don't need to hear it out loud that sounds like that synthetic <laughs> Hollywood like execs writing notes who really haven't felt that kind of human no, contact but that's no. what they believe it might be like because no, they're soulless like, <laughs> it was exactly so, like this is what I think having it was a soul so insane like. and I'm thinking I would have loved to have seen what the original vision of this film was because clearly this was not it well the comparison yeah. to Interstellar I mean I haven't seen that Astro but one of yeah. the things that I loved about Interstellar was it really made you think and go wow what this was so interesting and, it, and the way they the visually movie, depicted it washed over you it washed over you it mm-hmm. visually depicted multi-dimension time trip like i yeah, was like yeah. wow mm-hmm. this is so cool and mm-hmm. and it really it, you know what and i love time travel stuff and, yeah. and all that stuff but just like if you just spoon fed it to you oh yeah yeah and well it's, you and know the, uh, when i met my daughter in the yep. future it really <laughs> and, made uh, me feel like i was finally yeah. a good parent and the emotions Picturing of, Brad yeah. doing that yeah. just oof. like like Not even good. that like the um the feelings of like or like the um, the parallels to like Apocalypse Now and Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness where he's going to find his right. father out in the wilderness who he may be still alive, he may be going crazy. But he's, wait, this is in space sure. though. This is in space. That's kind of interesting, where, like an Apocalypse yes, Now. Right? Yes, space. yes, That almost sounds like a slam dunk to me. Premise um, wise, I was on board. <laughs> yeah. That's all you said yeah. to me? Apocalypse yeah, yeah. Now in space? Oh, I'm in. Yeah, yeah, Apocalypse exactly. Now is one of my favorite films. Like, and, uh, you know, and he, 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 with the, you know this weird pulse that's coming back from the father's spaceship that's causing destruction on Earth, like he has to stop that. And is the mission, well, he's got to stop his father, but it's his father. What's he going to do? All these great dilemmas that uh, don't go anywhere or get explored, uh. except in inner dialogue and monologue. I'm like, well, no, I, show me. And it, it even starts off with, um, this must have been a horrible studio. It starts off with a card. 
in the near future. Ooh. You don't have to tell me in the near future. <laughs> the production designer can tell me that in the first scene that it's in the near future. You know, humanity is blah, blah, blah. And it's like, uh, unless you're setting up some weird, like, um, fantasy world that or I've like never Star been Wars. to before. Yeah, yeah or like... Star Wars, that's fine. You can give me some cards, but, you know, in the... <laughs> future and you're telling me about astronauts and uh you know power surges like i can get that from the first couple <laughs> yeah. scenes yeah I but don't, don't uh, chris though don't you think apocalypse now would have been better if martin yeah, sheen in yeah. the voiceover went i'm going up river to yes. resolve issues with my father yes <laughs> you know colonel uh, kurtz is a metaphor for my dad who i didn't have a close relationship now with. imagine the card first card in the vietnam era yeah yeah that <laughs> <laughs> oh, that that's why they're yeah, in a yeah, jungle yeah, yeah. in army uniforms, <laughs> listening to music from the '60s. Yeah. Oh, I, I tell you, my my experience with that, Astro, I haven't seen it, but my friend is a massive James Gray fan. I had not, mm-hmm. I've not seen his work, but I've heard, mm-hmm. I've heard from a lot of people that mm-hmm. you know, I really trust that his work is great. And mm-hmm. I heard they were just as disappointed as you were, as maybe someone yeah. who hadn't seen his work. I, I thought when I saw the trailers, it was going to be a sort of Solaris, like this sort of like heady sci-fi movie, yes. like Tarkovsky, where it's like. It's about as non, you know, uh, as non-studio as you can get, but still be in space and have like these existential themes. But uh, yeah, this, you know, what happens with a lot of this stuff is I think it starts with a very pure-hearted idea, a great idea even, and a groundbreaking idea. And but to make a movie in space, by very definition, you're going to need to invite investors in. It's space. You're going to need money. And the more hands that get in there, and the more hands it goes through, and the more people that want to want say in the film. Yeah, you get this. That's really what it it felt like. like. And that's why. That's such a great point. Because Mm -hmm. look at the successful sci-fi space movies. It was one of these, Christopher Nolan Mm -hmm. or uh, who did... Stanley Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick. Kubrick, I forget the director. Gravity was... um, Curio. Oh, um, in your out was it? It wasn't in your auto, was it? The it guy was, who did. Um, fans of Curio, Revenant? wasn't it? Who did? Quran, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So you had to have their own vision. Yep. And mm-hmm. if the studio said maybe you should, they went. Thanks. Yeah. yeah no. Yeah, no. Yeah. Thank you. Step yeah, outside. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we got it. We got it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the problem. If you mm-hmm. have a director that doesn't have that much, you have to have. Th- right. I mean, there's a handful. We're talking about less yeah. than ten directors that can come in with a big budget movie yeah, and tell and the studio no. James Gray right. is a mid level director um, at best. He's a good director, his, but uh, he when does... you look at his uh, his resume, he doesn't have that kind of clout in no, Hollywood. He doesn't, he doesn't have it yet. It's mm-hmm. a shame, Kubrick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kubrick by 2001. I mean, just imagine. It. I don't know if you guys have read the screenplay, but what a phenomenal opening to a movie that just make a yes. space movie and start with the apes, the dawn right. of time. I mm-hmm. mean, and the throwing up of the oh. Sorry, of the mm-hmm. throwing up of the uh, of the bone. Um, so you, I'm yeah. new to podcasts, guys. So it's all right. still, uh, I mean, just the 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 transition alone, where he, where the ape throws the bone up in the air and it turns into a. a There's not a studio ship. executive I on mean, the face of the earth that would have said yes to that. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah, but but Kubrick did remain a little independent. I mean, he lived in England. He yeah. mm-hmm. funded mm-hmm. a lot of his movies through private friends and, and people mm-hmm. that really love cinema. He was lucky to have that. It's sad when a guy like James Gray uh, essentially has to prostitute his film out because he has to make these concessions right off the bat. You almost know it's not going to be great. Right. We've seen this right. happen time and time yeah. again with mm-hmm. really good directors that had a great indie indie world and low budget fiction you need such a vision oh, for man. that that's the yeah. you know with, with anything genre based it's really best when it's left alone science fiction you're right the, yeah. the uh, every great science fiction had a singular vision yes Either mm-hmm. the adaption of the source material was singular and the director knew mm-hmm. how to respect that. Right. And or the director went, no, this is what we're doing. Yes. This is how we're yep. doing it. And uh, there were even like these weird scenes that had to be notes too, like uh, 
Like, there is a shot in the uh, trailer of, like, there's some weird space fight on the uh, lunar rollers and the rovers. And that's in the movie. It's long, too, but it's so out of place. It's like they're on the moon. They have to get to the, uh, you know, he's on a secret government mission. So he has to actually get to the launch area. Oh, but there's pirates. There's pirates Pirates. on the moon? Pirates. And they're better armed than the military? <laughs> what, kind, what kind of pirates are these, like, like Somalian yeah. pirates? Yeah, or, like, ones with, like, so, patches? I mean, that's what, what's great. It never gets explained. There's pirates. Oh it's like, oh, well, you're you know, on the dark side of the moon, mate. It's mining rights. Mining rights. Oh. But also, you're not even going to a mine. You're going to a launch area. Oh, <laughs> like, so, but then, oh, we'll protect you. Like, you know, the, the space marines or whatever. The space marines don't protect them. Like, how, how, okay, so the pirates are also better armed than the military getting to the launch. And why is the launch area so far away from the landing base that you have to go through pirate territory to get to it? It sounds like they so. just cherry-picked all these things from successful sci-fi yes. movies. Like, yeah. we'll take a little yeah. bit from yeah. Blade Runner, a little bit from Alien. But that's a little where bit. the studio probably came in. That's their mentality. Yeah. I had to visit... Uh, needs to be more yeah. action. There has to be a space pirate fight in yeah, there. Space the pirate moon fight. I remember, yeah. I remember for my school, we had to visit, like, the WB studio, and I I don't know how I ended up on the trip because I, I despise a lot of the bigger budget stuff, but I wanted to see how you know how it worked. We got to meet you know the owner of of, uh, of Warner Brothers, uh, mm-hmm. or maybe it was Paramount, either one. And they said you know we were allowed to ask one question, and I asked you know how do you decide what movies you remake? And the answer was so like. Oh, every 20 years we kind of dig up the same. It, the mentality is is very much what it sounds like they went through with this. Where it was like, well, we we don't know if audiences are going to like your vision, James Gray, but we know they like these. So why don't we just right. shove mm-hmm. them in there and they mm-hmm. won't even know. And this is like time and time again. And, and I, I hate to connect to politics, but the same thing. They think like we're dumb. Audiences are dumber than they really are. They don't yeah. realize that the more content that drops, the more savvy they're kind of getting to like, this is garbage. I mean, not saying that this movie is garbage, but but this attempt to just like shove it in or collage things that have worked before. That I, I think audiences do want to see a level of new things. I think this idea that they have to be things we uh, sort of feel a relationship to, nostalgia to, right. or have seen before and feel comfortable with. I think audiences want to be uncomfortable. And, and even I think with, a lot of movies have proven that. Yeah. You know? And even with Brad Pitt as a producer, even like uh, it was still wasn't enough to keep the initial vision. It's That's so a funny, bummer. man, mm-hmm. because th- we all saw the trailer. We sat in this room and mm-hmm. saw the trailer yeah. and went, it, it, it sounds like it should be good, but we all had this, yeah, like, like, is there some little yeah. missing something mm-hmm. in this trailer? Yep. Now I know what it was. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's funny you say that, because I had a lot of friends that uh, are more into the big Hollywood films, and they were saying, like, you know, because there was a bunch of space movies that came out that year. There was, like, a Sean Penn one, and there was a Ryan Gosling one. This one looked very different, but they were saying, like, do we, do we need another one? But I was thinking, well, oh, it's James Gray. Like, this might be the one that actually kind of matters, because the other two I felt, like, weren't really that impressive. But I think this one ended up being the worst one, from what I've heard. Yeah, They're saying yeah. It's, it's actually the worst of the space movies. It should have been the best, I think, with mm-hmm. the team behind it. Because I'm a big believer you have to look at the team behind a yeah. movie. You really have to. You have to dig in before it comes out. It, it could have a great trailer. Nowadays, they have, trust me, they have people that can cut trailers better than some people can cut movies because the people are right. sold on the trailer. So they will bring mm-hmm. in an amazing, it almost feels like a mini film, the trailer. And I think that it can be deceptive, but at least with, with Adistra, I wasn't really uh, too, too ex- I didn't, I don't know. It's hard to say because, it, converse, yeah. th- th- that's a good point about the trailers, but also we've seen, I'm sure you have, plenty of good movies that had horrible trailers. Definitely. Right. Yep. Definitely. Where you know, the trailer completely misses, misrepresents the film. I, I would but again, almost... I think it's because of what you're saying, Kevin, is they think the, the audience is too dumb, mm-hmm. so we have to spoon feed them this trailer. Right. 
or tell mm. them the whole story. No, mm. I know. You saw with Suicide Squad, um, arguably when a movie they think, I think when they know the movie isn't that good is when they bring in like the best trailer editor. And they buy <laughs> yeah, like the yeah. Best. They're like, this is all we can do is set. Because I mean, right. the Suicide Squad, everybody loved that trailer and it was like, this is going to be a great movie. And I mean, all you had to do is look at who was making it and the writer and like, this isn't going to be that good of a movie. Right. You got, you know, um, Jared Leto, you know, playing like a, kind of like a wankster style, whatever. You know what I mean? It was right, like a very right. bizarre take on the Joker. But yeah, it was a movie that everyone was telling me, but the trailer's great. And I think we've become, you know, fool me once, you know, shame on you. It's, it's kind of become clear that you can't trust the trailer anymore. No, no very true. You know. Yeah. So, all right. All right. Um, so, yeah, it's it's too bad. I wanted to like this movie. And it, it, it went beyond wanting to like it. I wanted it to be better. <laughs> I wanted it to be a better movie. I'm sure James Gray did, too. That's a bad feeling. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, I don't know. I, I honestly feel like if there is um, an appetite or a, um, a director's cut that could come out of this film where he got to completely redo this entire film mm-hmm. from start to finish... Um, I'd like to see that version. Like a Blade Runner where he did like yeah. five cuts and finally yeah, yeah. got it right. Yeah, I, I'm okay yep. with that. So I would actually like to see that because I think it would be a very different film. Okay. Um, all right, so now, Graham, you saw In the Shadow of the Moon. This is another streaming movie, but a crime drama, right? It's a it's a time travel crime drama. Oh, I didn't realize there was a, uh, a time travel. Well, yeah, there, there's, there's, well, it takes place, this, this serial killer keeps reappearing every nine years. Okay. And they try to figure it out, and she doesn't age. This is all in the trailer, mm-hmm. which, I don't know. I watched the trailer and went, oh, she's time traveling. Right. <laughs> so so I, 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 like I say, I'm a sucker for a good time travel movie. Um, and, you know, we, we can be a little critical of some of the Netflix-only films. We can indeed. Um, because they'll just make whatever. As you were talking about, Kevin, it's why El Camino was good is they brought in this outside team that has already done it and proven Mm -hmm. these characters. I I really, this movie is a lot of fun. It's really Mm -hmm. cool. It's a, it's a, I I don't, I can't give away, I don't want to give anyone any spoiler stuff. There's some stuff in there and I actually like it when time travel movies do this that make you go, well, wait a minute. If this happened and that happened, how did the, but time travel is a theory. Right. So there's two mm-hmm. there's the two most popular theories that I'm aware of are the river theory where time is a stream and you enter it at different points and it's always flowing that way or the string theory that they used in in Quantum Leap which is mm. time you can it you, it's a it's a ball of string so it all touches and it's all happening at the same time. Yeah, 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 the future the past the future it's all just one sort of yeah, yes, that it, that's it's all happening yeah. at the same time. So this one like uses it feels like it uses more of the stream one, but there's just a thing in there where I was like, wait a minute, but in a good way, not in a like, what the, f- you idiots. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, man, like you want to stay home. And Pick wa- a time travel theory for God's sake. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I kind of like the title of it. I don't know anything about this movie, but I'm a, I'm a sucker for titles and the shadow of the moon kind of, I mean, I'd be at least interested. Boyd Holbrook, Holbrook does a really good job. And the, the young woman um, that is Cleopatra Coleman, um, Michael C. Hall. That's all really good. Um, it's 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 and it's a it's a crime drama. You know, like I love a good th- you know crime thriller, mm-hmm. a detective mm-hmm. movie. So it's that with time travel, and a great. Again, I don't want to spoil it, but a great. Um, the time travel quandary is proposed in a way, and I would love to hear what other people have to say about how, what they proposed in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, so that that was really, I, I don't want to say any more because it'll give it away. But th- like this is, if you want to stay home and watch a good Netflix film, this was this was it. Did it remind you at all? There was an, uh, was it a 70s movie, I think, called Time After Time, where um, H.G. Wells chased Jack the Ripper through time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's That's the, t- my, the, that, and um, what is it, Final Countdown about Pearl the, Harbor? The um, aircraft, aircraft carrier, carrier yeah. I haven't Bo- seen that. Both of those deal with actual historical events, Jack the Ripper and Pearl Harbor. Mm-hmm. This doesn't deal with an actual one. It proposes one in the future. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's the thing I liked about both of those movies is it made you go, well, shit, what if we could, you know, in, 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 in Final Countdown, uh, they're, they're like, well, if we can send a modern day aircraft carrier to stop the Japanese... Should we? Or yeah. should we let World War II play out? Twilight mm-hmm. Zone's done some stuff with that, yes. too. That's oh, phenomenal. Yeah. Serling, I think his first <clears throat> teleplay was something like to that nature. And I, I like that. Mm-hmm. And I like the often the sort of twist that like there's nothing you really can do or it makes something arguably worse. Even like the mm-hmm. Ray Bradbury story where the guy steps on the butterfly, I think, and, you know... I, delicate I do, Sound of Thunder. Yeah, yeah. Delicate Sound I do like that a Actually, lot. Actually, can't believe I knew nice. exactly yeah, what yeah, yeah, that was. That was pretty uh, <laughs> impressive. I, I, I was blanking. But, like, you I saved air in a minute and a half of Googling. That's great. I did have a question um is this like a, is this like a primer kind of approach which was a very like even if you've seen that that was like a ten thousand dollar time travel movie that was pretty mm-hmm. pretty minimalist and kind of a thriller basically the, um, the effect was a box yeah but it was really <laughs> but it was really like heady with the actual theory part which i think right. totally confused me i mean i was lost this one times. is more it's not so much heady with the theory so much as it is they do a good job of like i don't know where it's going i'm really trying to figure this out and right. Um, so it's really more, it's really, it's foundation is a crime drama. It's a detective tracking somebody down and why are they, and, 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 you know, people think he's crazy and this, that, and the other thing. And that carries it. And sort of the time travel stuff is sort of, um, comes in a little later. I mean, it's like not the B plot, but it's like. He's solving a crime. It's a detective solving a crime at, at, at its core, which which I like. That has time travel in it. I like the cross pollination of like things that aren't normally matched up. I mean, we have seen time travel thrillers before. And I, there's one I really love from a few years ago called I think Time Crimes. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Mm-hmm. Um, by his, yeah. by a, you have seen that by a Hispanic director. I, oh man, it's a Spanish one. It's that's something else. But uh, I, I will say this: my thing with Netflix movies is it they feel like content sometimes more than I think they feel like movies or films. They don't right. give me the same satisfaction. They give me more the satisfaction of watching like an hour long doc on on YouTube or something, uh, which there's nothing wrong with that. I just think they feel different, um, and they both have their own val- you know, validity. Did this feel like a movie to you, or did this feel like content? It felt like a movie, and that's oh, okay. such a great delineation. The movies okay. that I feel fail are, like you say, they just bought it, or they spent 10, 20 million on this movie, or they just, it was at a, fe- you know, it was out, no one else wanted to buy it, so they just scooped it yeah. up, you know, and put it out there to fill content. Whereas this felt like, I almost wish I could have seen this on a big screen. Not that it had amazing visual effects or anything like that, but it was a big movie story. That sounds good. That sounds good. I'm going to watch it with my sense. wife, and yeah. I hope you're telling the truth because uh, <laughs> if it's a bad movie, I'm going to blame it on you. I get a lot of trouble when a movie's bad. My yeah. wife does not like to waste her time because she works so hard and she loves film. So if I put something on that's trash, it's I'll a just blame me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was Graham. He swore it was good. Yeah. So, 
Instagram. We got some Patreon sponsors Chris, this uh, week. delights me no yep. end. Yeah, we've got um, we we are at almost maximum capacity for Patreon. Max Patreon, thank you so much, everyone yep. who's been supporting us. Even though we've announced the ending of the show in December, it's yeah, really you guys good. have stuck with us for the yeah. end, so we really appreciate that. Really appreciate um, it, Johnny Ruan. Guess what? He's got some short horror stories for sale. Johnny, uh, thank you so much yep. for having short horror stories. He's got one's called The Shell. It's a Lovecrafting tale about a neighborhood that loses power and becomes victim to an unknown monster. The second is called She, about a high school held under the dark spell of an evil cult leader. Uh, they're on Amazon Kindle for 99 cents. You can pick them up uh, by going to happyhorrorshowproductions.com and clicking on the Buy Short Stories tab. And Fanboy Planet, a website and podcast for all things geeky and amazing. Check out Fanboy Planet for your comics news, your movie news, TV news, and amazing in- interviews with industry insiders and artists. Fanboyplanet.com. In Coffee Over Suicide, a dramedy podcast about... Mental illness and choosing life over death, one cup of coffee at a time. New episodes every Wednesday and Friday, wherever podcasts are fi- found. Find out more at coffeeoversuicide.com. And Alice Frazier, co-host of the Bugle podcast and, and host of Tea with Alice, brings you a series of three genre-bending solo stand-up shows that explore the boundary between comedy and tragedy. They recorded back-to-back as a three-hour show at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival with a binaural microphone, which creates an intensely immersive listening experience. Check out alicefraser.com, alicefraser.com. Uh, and that's with an S. And the Art Podcast with Rebecca Evans, now celebrating one year of the show with the Art Sunset Jam, Saturday, October 26th. That is a live show. Uh, details are at theartpodcasts.com, the Art Podcasts with an S. Um, Tony McFadden, his 14th book is a gritty Australian noir. The murder of Jeremy Brooks pits small-town Australian P.I. Dan McGuinness against corporate greed and corruption. A Sydney surgeon hires Dan to find her husband's killer. The cops think it was a mugging gone bad. She thinks it was a hit. More info at TonyMcFadden.net slash JB. TonyMcFadden.net slash JB. And from Andy Bowman, every week on the Geek 101 podcast, Ariel and Andy get together to discuss, critique, review, and sometimes bicker about the latest in geek news and pop culture. Become a listener and join the conversation by listening to the Geek 101 podcast wherever you download podcasts. And Jerome Sullivan, he's a screenwriter. So uh, calling on Hollywood, I urge you to go to jcsscreenplays.com to check out the briefs of his completed moving television scripts, including a murder mystery, a sci-fi action thriller, a coming-of-age musical, a horror, a rom-com, and more. Visit jcsscreenplays.com. Thank you, everyone. Uh, much you. appreciated. Thank Just you. go to patreon.com slash comedy film nerds and you can support our show and you will be getting your rewards through December. Yes, indeed. All right. Let's get to some trailers, Graham. Uh, this is the Jungle Cruise because wow. we need another Disney movie based on a ride. Yes. Yeah. Thank God. There is possesses unparalleled healing powers. Just and the arrowhead is the key the rock to unlocking. Because now I still may want to see it. <laughs> One of those guys, huh? Um, yeah. <laughs> just wanted you to know, this has been mislabeled. Is he Clemens? Yep. He's getting these on the Oh my god, it's just Emily Blunt. Yeah, yeah. Emily Blunt. Yeah. He's shipping outlets. Period piece. All the jungle cruises you can take in the Amazon, this one is undoubtedly the cheapest. But this looks like Disney version thrilling. of Africa. Uh, coming through. He's always just the rock, no matter, he what, is. No matter yeah. what he is. Marauders. He tries to feel like an everyman sometimes. Just, yeah, just, can't buy it. just wish it didn't yes. work so well. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the moment you've all been waiting for. 
the backside of water. Stay's wonder of the world. We're headed up river to Lagrima de Cristal. It looks better than it's Haunted Mansion. <laughs> that is true. I'll give you that. Not much sure. of a feat, but... <laughs> My brother and I are looking for passage up river. Please go away. They're actually using jokes from the actual ride, too. If you believe in legends, you should believe in curses, too. You're gonna beg me to turn back. Well, I look forward to disappointing you. 10,000 to bring you there alive. Dead is 15,000. Why should I pay more dead? Dead, I'd have to carry you. Dead's a lot harder, lady. Here we go. Put a little gravel in his voice. This is my character. I'm just talking oh, sorry, a little lower. Frank. Sorry, strong form. Swim. You booked a river cruise and you can't I mean, swim. I think we know The Rock isn't like a Brechtian theater actor. He doesn't have much range. I gotta be honest. I'm not a huge Rock guy. I think he's very likable, but I don't just don't get much from him in these roles. You know what you get from him? You get The Rock. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you get. Much, yeah. I mean, you know. Okay. And I don't. I'm. I know the movie's not meant to be super serious, but I can't help but think movies like this is. I mean, it's just. It's just pure capitalism. I mean, it's just well, all it is to me. What is, I don't uh, understand, and this is one thing that if I've been saying this for years about Disney. Disney has an amazing vault, and there are worthwhile things to remake in there, like everything from. Uh, 20,000 Leagues Under sure. the Sea, Swiss Family Robinson, even like obscure ones like The Last Flight of Noah's Ark, where I remember uh, it was, I think Elliot Gould was a uh, pilot. Oh, I love Elliot caught, Gould. They got caught off course and then like they land, crash land on an island where there's uh, Japanese soldiers who don't know the war is over. Like really crazy live action. No, remake these. Remake right. these. This would be interesting. Uh, I don't need a, a movie um, made on the Jungle Cruise. No. There's better things in the library that you already own. I well, can't. I think it's obvious mm -hmm. why is mm -hmm. it's to it's to co-op with a with an art with um with a ride. Absolutely, it's just, a, it's, just yeah. it's solely a capitalist decision. I, yes. I heard some critics make a good point. I can't remember who he was, but he made a great point. He said, "I don't know. It's like you said. Why are they remaking these you know these properties? Why don't you remake one of the ones maybe we haven't heard of? Or some of these movies that had great premises that Disney made a while ago when they used to take risks that didn't really get the yeah. they mm -hmm. either didn't put enough resources into mm -hmm. it or something right. like that. I think if Disney really wanted to put the envelope though they'd out themselves and they would uh remake songs of the south and bring their own uh and bring and, and be held accountable for that because i think they've kind of shoved it in the vault yeah. but mm -hmm. but why don't you know that's a good question why don't you make a ride a movie for splash mountain which is songs of the south because they've completely taken the tar baby and that stuff out of the ride and right. they still mm -hmm. left it up and i yep. think um or even a movie about the making of Songs of the South, because the mm -hmm. interesting thing is Disney went into that with the right intentions. Uh, he loved the Uncle Ramus books, mm -hmm. um, and he had a real appreciation for it, but uh, you know, it was just a disaster. I mean, yes. it's an absolute disaster, mm -hmm. and uh, you can still find it on YouTube, and I recommend mm -hmm. people do, because oh, I think it still, it's... Oh, really? You watch that and watch Black Panther and tell me that you know Disney is the company that should be making some of this stuff. You know <laughs> what I mean? It's like, uh, <laughs> and, I, and I think that uh, this sort of... We see it with Disney, and I'm not to jump away from Jungle Cruise, but uh, there's only so much I could say about it, but one thing about Disney that's kind of eye-popping is they have a terrible history with representation, um, whether you're talking about like uh, 
Aladdin or any of those films. I mean, there's, there's a lot of uh, racist, stereotypical things going on there. Uh, mm-hmm. Even in Lion King, they use Triumph of the Will for some of the still uh, the still images they drew from for the villain. I mean, and oh, just, and all that you know, stuff disappeared for the live action version. Yeah. All the more interesting yeah. things from yeah. the animated yeah, version. Sure. I'm like, oh wow, now now you've made it even worse. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Disney yeah. is never gets really held accountable. But th- this mm-hmm. is a new thing I see a lot with film. It's not specifically Jungle Cruise though. I haven't seen it. I'm sure they've slipped this in as they sort of use social awareness or or you know progressiveness in as a as a brand and they try to shove it into a lot of their movies now and i think it it's kind of has mixed reviews i think disney is really responsible for a lot of it but i think a lot of the studios are doing it and they're like this is the perfect horror movie for the me too generation it's like so you basically just took something that was kind of a big issue and diminished it to like a selling point on a movie and, and you got to <laughs> wonder yeah, why they do right. that yeah and, and I, I think that and, and this you know, is like just like going literally just going through the library and like oh well no this can kind of tie into a uh um, the ride, we could we could refurbish the ride to then match the movie. And, I mean, we make this joke yeah. all the time, but it still bears. I mean, like, what's next? Teacup, the movie. Yeah. You know what I, mean? Just, <laughs> I can see it. I'm getting too old yeah, for these yeah. massive mm-hmm. teacups. You know, like, all right, so, all right. And the next one is the King's Man. I know nothing about this. Neither do I. This is the third movie in the uh, trilogy. Okay. I thought the first one was pretty okay. Curious to see how you guys are going to react to this one. Throughout time, our people robbed, lied, and killed. Oh, I know that voice. Until one day, we found ourselves noblemen. But that nobility never came from chivalry. Came from being tough and ruthless. Is that a Game of Thrones voice? <laughs> Is it Ralph Fiennes? Yeah. yeah. Real power is not found running off to war. Real power lies in understanding who it is you're truly fighting. Batman. <laughs> That's what I was and thinking. They can be defeated. Oh, there are some Game of Thrones props in this movie. <laughs> I know you want to fight, but there are other ways of doing your duty. Come on. So it's just a Kingsman prequel? Um, yeah, it's, so I'm it's exactly uh, what it is. It's a Kingsman prequel that I don't know if there's a time travel element to it or they're just flashing back a lot. Uh, none of the actual people in the other movies are in this That's what I movie. noticed. I didn't yeah. see the guy well, who was in that Rocket tall Man. young kid is obviously whoever what's-his-name-is is the head of the Kingsman today. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. What's that actor? Colin Firth? Yeah. Yeah, Colin Firth. So that's yeah. just young Colin yeah. Firth getting mm-hmm. the birth. This is the birth of the Kingsman. Yeah, that's what it looks like. But it looks like um, a very, very um, 
convoluted way to get there. <laughs> it looks like they've lo- it doesn't look like it has a lot of what I you know I normally wouldn't even love a movie like Kingsman. I'm not not a film snob. I watch a lot of older stuff. I I stray away from a lot of the big budget Hollywood stuff, but I can find okay. Merit. Those two sentences just completely contradicted themselves. <laughs> how? Tell me how. Tell me how. Yeah, I'm not a film snob. I just don't watch anything. Uh, oh, okay. Big okay, budget okay. movies. <laughs> I shouldn't say I don't. I don't. I don't watch any of it. Uh, I can find value in some of it, but I, I have trouble really examining them closer than just being like, okay, that's entertaining. That's a throw. I think I think Scorsese was right. I think they are movies like this to me are amusement park rides. That doesn't mean they shouldn't exist. Just like you know, uh, amusement park rides should exist. But they tell you what's good and what's bad. They tell you when to laugh, when to cry, when to cheer. Mm-hmm. There is no real thought on the audience part except to sit back and enjoy it. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you know, I guess my reaction to a movie like this is I'm just like, okay. I mean, that's what is there to really say about that? I mean, it's, if anything, these prequels are just money grabs. And I mean, it's just a... Yeah, it's a, it's yeah, a, thing, it's yeah. a thing that Roger Deakins said, I believe. He's like, where are the $40, 50000000 million movies, the dramas? The, you know, we've talked yep. about that. There's the, the mid-range drama. Very true. Where They're are hard they? to find anymore. There's the there's yeah. the ten million dollar movie, mm-hmm. and then there's the hundred and fifty million dollar yeah. movie, and there's mm-hmm. not much in between. No, and they sprinkle some of them on the streaming services, and one one out of every sixth one of them is decent. Yeah, like but, this movie, you know, I didn't I, I didn't like the second one at all. I thought the first one was like, eh, I didn't love it. Uh, it was okay, I, like I thought, one, right? But but this one, I'm like, I have no interest in seeing. I feel yeah. like this is just like, well, how can we milk the franchise and not use the people that we can't uh, well, afford anymore. And what do they say? What do they <laughs> yeah, say? Is agreed. it the Illuminati? Like, what are they? What are the? What's this I have no big idea. global conspiracy? Yeah, yeah. This, mm-hmm. a did, secret society. What is it? Did yeah. you guys see the trailer for the new movie with Adam Sandler called Uncut Gems? No, not yet. Oh mm-hmm. man, I think that I think that's going to be one of the movies of the year. I think it's going to oh, give wow. Joker a run for its money. And really? It played at the same festival. They both played at Venice. Joker won, um, but Uncut Gems was the one that was being arguably talked about more because it didn't. It was came in with a much smaller studio. But oh, people are saying Adam good. Sandler's going to win the Oscar for this. He's wearing like two wow. earrings. He's a, a Jewish diamond district uh, dealer. Super really? sleazy. He looks great. He looks like he packs some weight on. He's got a little goatee. I mean, it's really kind of shocking. He's got a big. Uh, Star of David ring on his finger and he's just uh, fast talking and I, I heard it has a lot of the energy of like the 70s Scorsese stuff which is why wow. I want to see that in Joker it's like this new resurgence of that sort of thing Scorsese was doing this just like very raw energy and yep. uh, I think it's been missed all right well we'll, so, we'll see it for sure yeah um, it. all right and uh, we do want to mention again the uh, store is closing out on December 12th so uh, we'll probably keep it up until about the 15th so order anything you want before then we will ship it out and uh, appreciate you guys uh, going in the store. Like I said, anything you buy, uh, there will be some free things in it. And a couple of you have bought the loot crates. It's not too late for the loot crates because uh, you'll be charged for November and December. That's enough. And it'll be about a $50 uh, charge because it'll be $25 each month. But there'll be a minimum of $1 to $200 worth of stuff in there, depending on your shirt size, <laughs> because we're running low. But there's plenty of other stuff that uh, we will put in there for you. So it is worth it, and it's a good way to kind of close things out with us and uh, support the show. Thank you. All right. All right. Coming on DVD, we've got Crawl. Yeah, DVD Crawl Blu-ray. was that... Um, um, killer alligator oh. movie. Yeah, I wanted to see that because I heard it was good. That's what I heard too. I'm I like, oh, this looks good. awful. And then like, oh no, it's people yep. are saying it's a really fun horror movie. Well, but, then it's a perfect yeah. VOD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. agreed. I, I, I was going to check that one mm-hmm. out. Uh, Stuber, I think is that the <laughs> is that the it's the it's Rock the, and the guy from uh, it's not the Rock. It's yeah. the other. Bautista. 
Batista. Okay, so I mixed those up. How could I possibly mix Kamel those up? Kamel Majani mm-hmm. driving around LA. He's and, like an Uber driver. Yeah, oh, it's wacky it. hijinks. All right. It's like a lethal weapon kind of thing where they're just two opposites sure. paired up, though, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Um, I wonder if, if I can finish this on a plane. Yeah, I wonder if they'll get along at the That's end and good, respect each other. Yeah. A, I bet you they learn a lot about each other's yeah. backgrounds. They learn so nothing good. about each other. That's they what just I like hate each other at the end. <laughs> never changes. The, um, the Art of Self-Defense. This one is the one that you it. really enjoyed. I mean, yeah. this movie is mm-hmm. super fun. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's intelligent, smart indie comedy that has some great moments in it and great acting right. and, and great. Yeah, it's I, I this movie was like one of the. This summer, there was a handful of sort of slower budget indie. There was this. There was yesterday. There was um, Blinded by the Light. Those are like the three. And this mm-hmm. one really was under the radar. Right. Yesterday and Blinded by the Light, obviously, were <laughs> two mega bands yeah. were being were, music was being played. But yeah. this one really, it's 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 a dark comedy. Mm-hmm. I I yeah I can't recommend it enough. I've mm-hmm. seen the trailer and I thought it looked great. Yeah. I'm not even a massive fan of is it Jesse Eisenberg. He's okay. I'm not a huge fan, but I thought the trailer looked very good. It reminded me of the old movie by Danny McBride. And if you guys fans of Danny McBride, he had yeah. a first film that was about a where Danny McBride foot teaches. Way, foot, foot, fist, foot, yeah, oh, is it like that or I mean that's the what fist it, foot way. That one was way more campy over the top. Okay. This is more dark. I Ooh, mean this I like is that. more this is like brick. Ooh. Oh, like that a was martial a weird... arts brick. Oh, I wouldn't have gotten that from the trailer. Me either. I kind of dug brick. That's I kind of felt it was one of those dark indie comedies. It's like you don't know how to feel. It puts you in this like weird, uncomfortable middle, and that's a good place to be. High that school noir. You, know. you don't see that very yeah, often. Yeah, brick is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's this uh, is this is good. Three from Hell. This mm. is. I think this is the Rob Zombie movie. This is the third in the trilogy yes. of uh, uh, Devil's Rejects and House of a Thousand yeah, Corpses. Yeah, same characters, and I think one of them is his daughter. I believe his wife. Uh, Moon, his, his wife, wife right? Cherry Moon. You know. If I could say, I, I really do like House of a Thousand Corpses. I don't like it for the gore. I think it was just really effective when it came out. H- Hollywood had gotten way too safe with horror films, and that one just came out of nowhere and felt like a bad right. acid trip or something. That mm-hmm. was really a haunting experience. I showed it to my wife recently, and she really enjoyed it. But uh, I didn't like Devil's Rejects. I just couldn't get into it. They're, they're wearing the people, sequel. Yeah, they're wearing people's skin and raping people. And that's just not something I want to watch. Even if you're doing like an old spaghetti western thing, I have no interest in watching or trying to identify. And they did this thing where it's like you're not supposed to like them. But then they kind of made you feel like you should like them. And at the end, they just get brutally murdered to Freebird. Sorry to spoil it. But yeah, I, I was not a fan <laughs> of that at all. And then this third one. That's okay. I don't think either one of us is going to Yeah, yeah, watch. yeah. The third one, though, yeah, I heard it's atrocious. And, and actually has the Night King from Game of Thrones in it as one of the main uh, characters. That would be hilarious. It's bizarre. It's really strange. <laughs> I, think there's, I saw the trailers. Luchadors with machine guns. Uh, it looks like a mess. Wow. It's like a mess. All so, right. All right. So uh, the next movie is actually a straight-to-DVD release, Teen Titans Go versus Teen Titans. Uh, you know, this is interesting from an animation perspective because you had the original Teen Titans show, then you had Teen Titans Go, which was a comedic version of it, and then the movie was actually really funny, the oh, okay. uh, Teen Titans Go to the movies. Yes, Remember we yes, saw that? I, I didn't did like see that. it. Uh, it, was, it was a fun superhero parody. It was almost like Deadpool for kids. Like it had a really uh, a lot of yeah. fun jokes in it. But from an animation perspective, this is a really interesting idea because you have... Two vastly different animation styles. Mm-hmm. You have a cartoony, funny one, and a more serious one. But they're putting them together, and the characters like meet each other and fight. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, that's I'm, interesting. Yeah, I, I um, my son and I will definitely be watching that on uh, on demand. I've heard good things about Teen Titans. I'll admit I'm not as versed on it, but I have heard good things. It's uh, it's Teen Titans is good, and then Teen Titans Go is also good, just in a different way because it's a comedy. And but they do a lot of really meta stuff in it, like uh, like they'll argue. 
like uh, like oh we gotta fight Dark Side. Well, we should call Spider Man. Spider Man would never fight Dark Side because uh, okay. it's you know separate That's funny. Uh, <laughs> universes. And then there was even one where they uh, they started singing Happy Birthday and like stop we can't afford it. <laughs> if you don't if you don't mind me asking because you're mm-hmm. on the topic of animation and superheroes, mm-hmm. um, I didn't see it. And like I said, I mean I I don't sneer my nose. I just don't get the time to watch. But I did hear that the end of the Spider Verse or Enter the Spider Verse, yes. Spider Man is phenomenal. It's I, really yes, good. It's yes, that it's good. Really I'm good. gonna yeah, watch yeah. that. That mm-hmm. looks great. You know? Everyone's correct. And uh, just be prepared. Some of this stuff is out of focus deliberately. Oh, that's cool. The yeah. style looked really impressive. Um, and uh, premiering this week, Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. Speaking of money grabs, oh, this is uh, wow. another one. Um, the one I am excited about, though, is Zombieland Double Tap. This looks really fun, like a really fun sequel, even though it's 10 years later. Well, the first one yeah. was super fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and we talked about this. When a comedy sequel comes out years later... It has a better chance of they found a really cool premise versus right. it's 18 months later and it's right. just a money grab and it's the same jokes. and It's been churned out instantly. Yeah, yeah. this feels like they went, hey, this would be mm-hmm. cool. And then uh, Jojo Rabbit we have, which is the um, Hitler uh, I about hate that. satire. I don't know about that one. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things where, you know, I'm a big fan of the director. Uh, oh, I can never what pronounce did he his make? name right. Um, Thor Ragnarok, what we do in the shadows. The New Zealand, the New Zealand yeah, director. He's very yeah. funny. But yeah, uh, and uh, Hunt for the Wilder People, which I loved that right. indie movie. So um, I think this movie could kind of go either way. It could either miss the mark and just be like, oh, okay, I see what you're doing, or it could be really funny and insightful. I'm so a believer see. of what you know. I think it was John Luke Godard who said, if you wanted to make a movie about the Holocaust, it should really be nowadays just a, a woman in an office counting the bodies uh, on a piece of paper. Because I think that like it's very hard to do anything with the Holocaust now and do it properly, even a comedy. I think you need to be really not just good at comedy, but really understand the context of like fascism and the, and the Holocaust to even do something like this. And I personally, I'm just not sure he's got the uh, the subtlety of it. I, I wouldn't even a- approach it, but. If, I could be totally wrong on that. That one just sit mm-hmm. a little weird with me. The it, poster alone, I think, is problematic. That's just me, it, It's interesting um, because this isn't um, a Jewish or even American filmmaker. It's mm-hmm. someone from New Zealand. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting where, like, what's his perspective and point of view going to be? The movie um, looks like it's about a kid that's that's swept up in the Hitler youth and then kind of starts to realize, oh, this isn't right. Oh, it's a, yeah, his, his imaginary best friend is Hitler. Right. So, uh, so I don't know. I mean, I think... Uh, you know, it's it's getting pretty good reviews for um, in festivals, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm curious to see it. The Lighthouse. This is that. Remember, we oh, saw that trailer. I want to see this. That weird artsy uh, horror mm-hmm. movie that's in like black and white with uh, Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson, where they're just in a lighthouse, and the trailers like all these weird shots of like them in this claustrophobic area with like a, yeah, it's a just shots fl- of a yeah. kraken yeah, and like <laughs> Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson yeah. stuck in a lighthouse, and then mm-hmm. you know it looks almost like theater-esque you know what i yeah. mean it's like like vaudevillian it's got these I, I heard he used the old lenses and the old cameras from the 30s i think oh, it looks really? and it has this great german expressionist like i wouldn't say like dr caligari but like nosferatu at least like i think it, i just think it looks really interesting and i don't even really like the director i thought the witch was okay i thought it was a little dull uh but i think the lighthouse is going to be good all right yeah it looks fun and then last is the jay and silent bob reboot mm. which i didn't realize was who was getting made but uh this is this yeah, week that comes yeah, out yeah yeah i didn't realize oh, wow. it got made uh this no is idea. yeah kevin smith's reboot of his own uh kind of like view askew universe he crowdfunded this so, didn't he i probably yeah. i know the last couple he did for sure yeah um all right that is That's our, our show. show. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Rocco, where can people find your film and also i know you have a, an event coming up october 26th so they, if they want to go watch Revolution Televised, they would do go to... If you go to our YouTube channel, it's Right Brain Studios, right spelled W-R-I-T-E, 
So if you go to Right Brain Studios, you can find our videos. All the episodes are up. Um, and then on October 26th, we are going to be screening the film for a fundraiser to help us raise funds for the sequel. Um, you know, we're grass, uh, grassroots filmmakers and we are trying to, uh, you know, we're hoping a little, everybody could help out just a tiny little bit on the GoFundMe page so we can make a sequel, a real progressive documentary, um, because Hollywood's not going to make it. And, uh, and we think that it's very much needed that represents progressive values and shows a lot of these revolutionaries across the United States and activists that are fighting back against the media and the establishment and, and are just not given a platform. So we'd really appreciate it. The GoFundMe page is linked onto our uh, YouTube channel. And on October 26th, we'll be doing a fundraiser um, at 1268 North Avenue, 50 Los Angeles, California. Um, 90042 and it'll be $10 and you get a free drink we're going to watch the film there's going to be a panel and a lot of progressives and Bernie people are going to be there the Feel the Burn Club is uh, co-hosting it with me as well as the Bernie Van will be there if you haven't seen that and I invited Graham and Ron Placone so hopefully they will be there too (laughs) yes yes I should be there making an appearance the Feel the Burn Van they were uh, they were at the Jimmy Dore show we just did a show there a Sunday at the Sycamore and they were had that that crazy van and the (laughs) so cool yeah (laughs) which is great and they're going out registering voters in like uh, the Inland Empire and all Mm -hmm. these these places where people typically don't vote so it's 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 pretty awesome i think um, they have a keg in there i don't know if that's true but i had heard that uh, they got a lot of business in there man that should be on the poster if you have a keg <laughs> in there <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that's right uh so check that out also um uh ron placone and i are doing the progressive comedy tour in australia november 14th we are in uh, melbourne that show's almost sold out the 15th we're in adelaide the uh, 17th we're in sydney that show's getting close to sold out and the 22nd we are in perth so go to grandmelwood.com we're also doing a progressive comedy tour show in los angeles december 14th at the sycamore tavern which ron and i each doing long sets and you never know which fancy comedians will pop in to do sets that night and that is two days after the Comedy Film Nerds 600th and final episode, December 12th wow. at the Dynasty Typewriter. Tickets, tickets still available. Tickets still available. Go to DynastyTypewriter.com or GrahamElwood.com for the tour date. For Graham, the will there be a reception afterwards? Chris, that is a fantastic <laughs> question. Uh, yes, there will be a party afterwards. So you, if you buy a ticket to the show, you can hang out at the Dynasty afterwards and party with us, celebrate 10 years of doing this show and saying goodbye um, and with a mass suicide. I'm, I'm, not paid to, I'm, not, I'm not being paid to say this. I want to buy tickets to both those events. They actually both sound great. Oh, right I'm on. I'm definitely well, going to try to get out there. Um, and Well, Graham, if I've been late to the party and haven't bought an Earbuds DVD, could I get a free one with the ticket? Oh, my God, yes. An Earbuds DVD will be included with your ticket price. So you can either buy one online now or just get a ticket to the show and you know you will get an Earbuds DVD. That's how, a lot of choices. I love how organic the whole thing is. Yeah. It's so, right? It's so, so organic. organic. It's so organic. Hey, Chris, are all major credit cards yeah, accepted yeah, yeah. on this website? Not Amex, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> PayPal? Yeah. Yes. So um, I want to thank um, all the people that came out to the L.A. Comic-Con over the weekend. I uh, had a great panel with Comics on Comics. Talked a lot about Joker. Some differing opinions. Really interesting. Oh, really? And, uh, um, you know, even dropped some trivia about the giant rats there because they were trying to do a little Easter egg about the rat catcher, which is some obscure DC villain. Uh-huh. And then um, uh, I want to thank the people also for buying long ago and far away graphic novels at the uh, Starburns booth. So uh, thanks. Uh, it was really cool. So Rebecca and a couple nice. other fans came by, and it was uh, it was a really cool event. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Uh, well, thank you, folks, for listening to this episode. Um, you can also see a, a, a further in-depth interview with Kevin about his film at Political Vigilante. That'll be dropping in the next couple of days. Um, 
And uh, thanks for supporting the show. We appreciate Kevin. Thank you, Aaron, and everybody here at the All Things Comedy World headquarters. Thanks for having me. You're welcome, my friend. My name is Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember, Han Han shot shot first. first.